Welcome to our podcast, Talk To Me Sister. I'm Kathy. And I am Sarah. And we are twin sisters documenting our surrogacy journey, discussing women's health, motherhood, and all the details that led us here. Our mission is to not only educate and inform, but to spread joy and hope through our story. Thanks for following along. Kelly is the writer, director, and producer of Heal, a documentary feature about the mind-body connection and our body's innate ability to heal. She also authored the follow-up book, Heal, and is the host of the new Heal podcast. A Los Angeles native, she grew up in front of the camera, acting on and off in commercials, TV, and film from the age of seven. In 2012, she started Elevative Entertainment with the intention to create conscious media that informs, inspires, and empowers. She has a passion for psychology, wellness, and spirituality, and has an insatiable appetite for understanding consciousness. Her intention with the HEAL platform is to empower people with the knowledge of their incredible ability and the intelligence of the human body, and inspire people to expand their beliefs on what's possible and become conscious co-creators with life. Kelly is a seeker, a meditator, an investor, and she enjoys traveling, sports, reading, and writing. We love this conversation we had with her. Hope you guys enjoy. Gosh, we have so much to talk about. We and do. we're fascinated by you. We also we're believers and just like the mind, how connected the mind and body are. So we're going to, we're going to talk about your documentary and then about you a little bit, and then we'll just see where it goes. But yeah. And, and really to get started, I would love to know about your background. I'd love to know how you got interested in the subject of healing and how you got on the road to making the heal documentary. So I'd love to start there. Yeah. Well, it's a long and winding journey. Um, So many little, you know, was you would assume that I went through something like Sarah or lost someone close to me or that kind of like compelled me to research everything about healing. But um, mostly it was like I was an actor my whole life. Uh, I grew up in Los Angeles and my mom got my brother into acting really young because everybody kept bugging her how cute he was. And, uh, and he didn't really take to it, but she would be dragging me along to these things. And I like loved it. So, um, I started working in like in print work and commercials when I was like five years old. And so that was my world of being on sets. And so, you know, I grew up in the entertainment industry and through my twenties, you know, I was realizing how much in my head I was being an actor. And so I started like really getting interested in psychology and I started seeing healers to like get rid of my blocks, like whatever was standing in the way of me being self-conscious or not, you know, being Meryl Streep. Uh, Of course, I was not meant to be Meryl Streep, (laughs) but I thought, (laughs) Um, so, you know, and then, I mean, so many things happened in my life. I can tell you like one little seed was planted when I was in high school, I got sick. 
um, after a camping trip because there was drinking involved and I slept in a bush and like, you know, you do things that teenagers do. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, I just like did get good sleep and drank alcohol and got sick. And so my glands got really swollen. And after that, they, they were, after I got better, they remained swollen like golf balls in my neck. And we couldn't figure out why they were going down. Um, I got tested for mononucleosis, didn't have mono, tested for Epstein-Barr, but didn't test positive for that. So the doctors basically just threw an antibiotic at, at me, an antibiotic. If that didn't work, they threw another one at me. So I took like three different courses of antibiotics, which back then we didn't know the detriment that that <laughs> caused our uh, system. So uh, after they still didn't go down six months later, they decided to do a lymph node biopsy. So they put me under general anesthesia for the first time, which was kind of brutal for me. And, um, and everything came back normal. So again, it was just this like mysterious thing. Nobody knew the answer to, I went to a chiropractic appointment with my mom who was still playing soccer at the time in her forties and saw this guy every week. And, uh, he felt my glands as they do. And he said, try taking a shot of like apple cider vinegar, um, you know, once or twice a day and see if that helps. Maybe you just have an infection that won't clear out. And so I did that. And like, lo and behold, a week later, my glands are totally normal. So after a year of seeing all these doctors and getting medication and surgical intervention and all this stuff, um, not, you know, I, my answer was in a health food store. So that was kind of my first, like, Oh, I'm not, really into this whole hospital Western medicine thing. Yeah. Right. Maybe there's more interesting. Yeah. So, and then, you know, later in my twenties, I mean, so many little things led me to this, but I started, I saw the movie, the secret, um, mm -hmm. and enough sparked my curiosity in there that I started to learn about energy and quantum physics. And, um, I started having a gratitude journaling practice every day and literally my life, like in three months, my life, like totally started getting better and better. And I was like, wow, this stuff really works. So I started going to Agape, uh, which is like a spiritual community, like a non-denominational or trans-denominational spiritual community, started meditating. And, you know, all of a sudden my passions started switch. I started paying attention. I was so much more excited talking about the power we have to co-create with our lives with God, which, you know, whatever terms you use, um, and how we are all divine and we're all energy. And there's so much more potential than we're kind of conditioned to believe. And so I was way more passionate talking about that stuff than talking about auditions that was going on in, in the acting world. So I kind of made that pivot to make a documentary about, you know, things that I was passionate about. Right. So people that listening, if you haven't watched Heal, um, please go watch it. It's so fascinating. I, I think when I was going through my cancer journey, I was looking, you know, I was getting chemotherapy. I was getting the Western uh, treatments. I was really struggling with side effects. I looked into, you know, other stuff like CBD and, you know, our dad's struggled with Lyme's disease for years. So we're big advocates for juice, juicing and we have a strong faith, prayer. I mean, we were built on all those um, kind of nuggets of truth, but I think I, my whole um, research and just like interest in healing opened up. And then I found your um, documentary, which is wild, but mm -hmm. I want to touch on 
radical remission because that is a huge part of your documentary and there's some incredible case studies. And can you explain, I want to talk about the nine key factors and the commonalities that you found with all of these people. Um, I think I, you know, when I was going through my cancer journey, I was grasping at like, okay, I think my hope was that I would one day, one day go to the doctor and they would say, um, you don't need to be here. You're fine. Go home. And so when I heard that happen to people, this like miraculous moment, I just was so also like you curious about who and why did that happen to certain people? So could you explain to people listening what radical remission is? And then we can talk about the nine key factors. Yes, totally. And I reference this all the time because it's such a powerful part of my documentary. And it's just, I think that it goes beyond cancer. Um, So basically I'll tell you what it is. This, this, this woman, Kelly Turner, who's Dr. Kelly Turner, she got her PhD, um, started learning. She was trying to figure out what, you know, to do her dissertation on. And she came across these like spontaneous healing, radical remission uh, stories. And she was fascinated. And what she discovered is that they were just kind of like discarded by mainstream conventional medicine as these anomalies. And she, but then she kept finding more and more. So she decided to do her research project on these 1500 people who had spontaneously healed radical remission from their late stage terminal cancer. So what's wild is that, you know, she found these 1500 people. There's clearly so many more exponentially more in the world. Um, but essentially every single one of these people had late stage stage four terminal cancer, all different kinds from brain to toe, you know, and, um, they were told by their conventional oncologist that there was nothing else that they could do in Western treatment and go home, gather your affairs in order and spend time with your loved ones. And 1,500 people all went home, spent time with their loved ones, and healed. So she was like, dude, we should be studying what these people did, which is exactly what she did. So what, what, you know, what was so intriguing to me is that uh, she discovered there was nine things in her original research that, uh, that all of these people did a version of. Um, she has since written a book, Radical Hope, and she added a 10th thing because she went back into her research. She discovered they all did um, some form of movement or exercise. Call it movement because if you're not well, you know, movement is like walking or yoga or something. Um, So out of these 10 things, we'll call it now, these 10 key factors of healing, uh, only three of them were physical, which is radically changing your diet, using herbs and supplements and movement and exercise. The other seven are mental, emotional, and spiritual. And so the whole premise of HEAL is how we need to treat the whole person where Western medicine sometimes just bombards the tumor or, you know, it targets one organ or whatever, but we have to understand that the human body is an incredibly intelligent, intricately connected system. So we need to approach the whole terrain, the whole environment um, of the human body in order to make sure that the cancer doesn't come back or make sure that the, what the chronic illness is solved at the root. Um, 
And so for me to know that 70% of the healing process is mental, emotional, and spiritual, I was just like, yes, that resonated so deeply for me because that's the holistic approach. Right. It is. And it resonated so much with me when I was kind of healing because I, I felt like that was really important for me to, you know, visit past trauma, have a positive attitude, lean on, you know, support of family members and, I think it's something that's not really talked about and it's so important and it's so fascinating that uh, six of them, well, I guess now seven, um, well, that's moving. Anyway, six of them um, have to do with your emotions. And can I read them really quick? Yes. I'm just going to read them really quick um, for people listening. So um, one is radically change your diet. That's physical. Um, Take control of your health. Number three, I want to talk about this in a second. Follow your following your t- intuition, um, using herbs and supplements, which is physical. Um, release suppressed emotions, which is huge. Increase positive emotions. Embrace social support. Um, deepen spirituality. And number nine, which is so important, have a strong reason to live. Um, that's pretty incredible. Can you talk about number three a little bit, like? just following your intuition and maybe it has to do with people that you've talked to in the past and their personal stories, like what that meant to them and people, maybe doctors you've talked to and Kelly Turner. Yeah. Uh, Intuition is everything. We have this kind of internal guidance system that never really leads us astray. What we, what we struggle with is, is determining, you know, which voice in our head is, is it, is it our intuition that will we'll never lead us astray or is it, you know, our rational ego mind? And that's the hardest thing to decode. But if you start to pay attention, it's all about cultivating awareness. Um, and it's also about, you know, getting still so that we can kind of silence the cacophony of, of untruths in our head and, and get to what we're feeling in our core and our soul and our spirit. Um, and so, you know, there's so many stories about even Elizabeth in the film, you know, she had stage four, uh, colorectal cancer, colorectal cancer. Thank you. Um, and you know, she, well, let's see if she had an intuition story, but so many people, you know, go to their doctor and their doctor speaks to them in a way that rushes them or doesn't make them feel heard or makes them feel like an idiot if they ask a question. And if you pay attention to how you feel in those environments where someone is not making you feel heard in, in what, you know, arguably the scariest moment of your life, um, your intuition is trying to tell you like, run, you know, get out of there. This is not your guy. And your chest might tighten your, your body will also communicate your intuition. That's why we get goosebumps when something really resonates, or we walk into a room and something is not resonating. We may get goosebumps as well. So these are your intuition speaks to you in, in feelings and knowings, but it also speaks to you with your body. Yeah. I remember her story. I think she's exactly a good example of that. And also I think it, it, it's that one. And then maybe number two, taking control of your health, like both of those together. Cause I think for her watching her story, once she found that confidence and felt like she had control of her intuition and she had, she was able to have a piece of, um, you know, control of her future that like did wonders to just her, like 
her shoulders, her body, just the way you could, you could kind of see that relaxation in her, even on film, when she kind of grasped like that she was following her intuition. And for me, I, I talked to a lot of people that asked me about my journey. And when I was diagnosed, they always say, I bet you felt so out of control. And yes, I did. I felt so out of control because your body's doing things that you don't recognize and it's kind of betrayed you. But I think there's something to that. And number three stuck out to me for some reason, because that intuition piece, I think there's something powerful about taking control and just having confidence in your intuition and knowing that like that belief in yourself, that is powerful. And that in turn is, is control. Um, so I thought that was really powerful. I loved her story. And it goes, she went on an emotional journey too, which is Kathy and I've talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. So, and I think as yeah. women who just in general in women's health, we are dismissed our concerns and our pains and our, it's just a hormonal thing, you know? And so it's so important if you have the intuition of something being wrong that you say, well, I'm going to get a second opinion because my intuition feels wrong. Just like Sarah you know, so many people had signs and symptoms of the, of choreocarcinoma, the cancer she had and just didn't go to the doctor. Cause they're like, Oh, well, we're women. We bleed. It's what we do. But if that's not your story, if that's not your body, then yeah, I feel you like to stand up for yourself. Yes. I feel like that's also listening to your body and being an advocate for yourself. Um, can potentially save your life. Yeah. I, I actually have a story now that came to me. Um, and it, it absolutely can save your life. And this is why, like, if, if the doctor dismisses you, but you have this inner knowing that something is off, you have this pain and it's not a pain you've had before. You know what gas pains feel like, you know what this feels like, you know, follow your intuition and don't leave the, you're exactly right. Radical. I, I mean, um, following your intuition and taking control of your health come hand in hand and not being afraid to advocate for yourself. Um, so my friend Stacy had, uh, was feeling like pain when she was going to the bathroom. And, you know, she finally went to the doctor, her, her doctor told her to go to the ER and check her out. And they just dismissed her. And they said, it's, it's probably just gas, you know? And she's like, dude, I'm 40 something years old. I've had gas pains before. This is not gas. Like I know something's wrong. So she just would not leave until they gave her a scan. And she like lit up like a Christmas tree and, and the doctor came back in and was like, I am so sorry. I didn't listen to you. Um, this is what's going on. And her whole life changed in that moment. And she's good now. And she became like the poster child of heel and, and, you know, oh, yeah. d- did these 10 things and, um, is, you know, free and clear now, thank God. But, um, she refused to leave. And that is because she followed her intuition. If, if you, if she had gone home, you know, that stage three C might've become stage four, might've been a whole different ending to that story. So, uh, I just, yeah, encourage everybody to understand that you have to become your own advocate. And a big part of that is following your intuition and trusting it. Absolutely. It's really powerful to remind ourselves that even if it's something, something small, but it's big to us, it's a big thing. If you have been listening along to the pod, you know we love high quality vitamins that are worth your time and your money. Seeking Health vitamins are our favorite because they are not synthetic and they are easily absorbable. 
We have a new coupon code exclusive to our audience. It's 10% off your first order from seekinghealth.com. So use our code talk to me sister for 10% off. That's talk to with the number two me sister for 10% off. We will link all of this information in the show notes. Enjoy. So I love like the research you've done on all of this. And the one that sticks out to me that I feel like is really difficult is number five, which is like releasing suppressed emotions. And I do think when you're in those terminal cases, like these people, and I think Sarah can probably relate to this and all of us really in some form of fashion, but when something is really heavy going on, all of a sudden you're experiencing emotions you didn't even know you had. Um, but I'm interested to know what you think about number five and like ways it's, you know, what you've learned from your research about forgiveness. Like sometimes that's just a hard thing to do. Is there like practical tools for, for number five, which is releasing suppressed emotions and like forgiveness? I go back to, I guess, Anita, was it Anita's story that like had that reconciliation and forgiveness with her dad, like while she was in a coma, maybe you're going to have to, mm-hmm. refresh, but yeah, totally. So um, yeah, this, I think this is a big one. And like you said in our email, you know, we're just not taught how to process our emotions. We just, we still aren't, you know, in modern technology age and we're learning, people are becoming aware and this this whole wellness movement, but you know, um, our parents weren't taught how to healthily process emotions. And, and so what happens in my research, what I've learned, or, you know, the sense I get is something really traumatic happens and we don't have the, it's too painful in the, in the moment. So our brain literally has this survival mechanism where it just detaches. Like if someone, you know, is God forbid doing something awful to a child, you know, as a survival, because it's just too painful to be in that moment, it like we detach. So it's like an ego mechanism that is actually helping us in the time. But um, the problem is if that, that never, if that emotion isn't processed, felt, it gets suppressed or repressed into your psyche and also energetically just like into your body. It's not, it's, you know, emotions are energy. And so you're holding on and those, those, your issues, you know, get stuck in your tissues if you don't deal with them. So, um, you know, how do we release suppressed emotions first? It's just good to cultivate awareness and know what you're feeling and be okay with what you're feeling. We're, we're so taught in Western modern society that negative feelings are bad and, you know, happiness is the the way. And, um, you know, so, but we're human. So we're going to feel things. We're going to feel angry. We're going to feel righteous. We're going to feel jealous. We're going to feel, you know, so just to, to start to cultivate these deeper spiritual practices that allow you to observe how you're feeling. So you don't get swept away in the feelings. You can step back and go, wow, that's so interesting. How is this feeling in my body? I'm getting, I'm getting anxious. My, my chest is constricting. My belly is like nauseous or there's knots and I can't breathe. And it's like, okay, wow. Okay. I'm feeling anxious. Why am I feeling anxious? And it's just this total cultivation of awareness and um, self-reflection so that you can just start to breathe through and, um, you know, half of half of the thing, you know, to release suppressed emotions is just becoming aware that there's something there that you're pushing down and not feeling. So to become aware and feel is is part of it. But then there's all sorts of tools and 
you know, modalities that can help you um, go back into childhood and, and assign new meaning. Like hypnotherapy, I think is very helpful. Um, you can actually go back and discover, you know, what things are, are trapped in your subconscious mind. That sounds scary. Um, like, I don't think I want to do Kathy's really? like, it's like, I don't want to revisit. I'm always <laughs> like, we need, I feel like I'm the feeler and she's like, wait, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to feel. It sounds scary. Cause like all, you know, I think that it's, it's like, like opening a door that like you haven't wanted to open in a long time for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. But I also think, you know, those things that we, that happen to us. And then we, we push out as that protective mechanism. Like sometimes I'm grateful for that. Is yeah. That, no, I mean, totally. A lot of people feel that way. Yeah. It's honest. But if you, if, if it remains suppressed and not integrated or processed, then it's gonna, you know, if you don't knock on the door to open it and let it go, it's like, it'll knock you over the head with some sort of kind of injury or diagnosis or tragedy in your life because you're continuing to, um, align with that kind of energy. Cause it's still in you, in your, in your body. So, um, a quick little tool I have is, oh, sorry. No, no. I want to hear the tool. So many tools. So like, I mean, for me, breath work is really like ecstatic breath workers, you know, this Wim Hof method, like breath work is a really good way to get release stuff from your body. And, you know, I love breath work because it's our own instrument. We don't need any outside help. You know, um, it's great to have a facilitator to help us through, but I think breath work is some of the most powerful work. Um, at home, my, I have this really cool doctor that taught me this, um, Pew 12 writing. So it's purge emotional writing 12. So what you do is you take, if you're feeling something and you just can't put words on it and you don't know how to get it out, you just grab a pad and a paper and you just write like free, write whatever you're feeling like you know, because nobody's ever going to read it. So you can be real about what you're feeling and you're just purging your emotions onto the page. And then you go to the fireplace and you light it up and just burn it and then like get, so at least it's like, that's That's your king. Kathy, (laughs) you can dig a hole and then talk into it. And then no one else. (laughs) I want to say, I like the burning. I like, I like those tools. And I want to say one thing about releasing emotions too, and tools. Um, Let's talk about crying for a second, because you talked to John Paul Krim, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, um, about crying and how that's a release and how we need to do that. I, after I was diagnosed, obviously I cried. I cried and I cried and I cried for weeks and months. And I was doing a lot of therapy because, you know, my family was like, you need to talk to somebody uh, while I was going through everything. And I had realized I was 30 and had lived all my twenties. I'd realized that I had not really cried or shed a tear in like seven years. And I really, I, I really couldn't think of a time that I really cried. And so when you had that conversation with him and he was talking about the importance of crying, I, I just was like, yes, I think that's so true. I think it's a, your body's way of releasing. I mean, I don't know how I don't have the scientific information about it, but <laughs> yeah, no, but that's an example of releasing suppressed emotions. And if right. this diagnosis um, was a catalyst for you to have this big release, you know, th- these are this mysterious things of all these people spontaneously healed by going home and probably crying 
Um, and then, you know, then they said, I have limited time. So I'm only going to hang out with people that I love spending time with. I'm going to only do things that bring me joy. I'm going to enjoy the sunsets and the sunrises every morning. I'm going to pick up the cello that I haven't played since I was 12. I'm going to just love on my grandkids and whatever all these people did was basically what we were designed to do in life anyway, not go to work and have these stressful jobs that we hate and, um, you know, live in this stress state so that we can earn enough to take two weeks off a year and go try to relax during those two weeks. It's like that stress response isn't going to turn off when you're living every day in stress. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to get help releasing emotions, but, you know, for me, movement is a great way. Like exercise gets a lot of my anxiety and stress out. I think prayer and meditation, um, connecting with nature, all of these things, you know, really can help you release emotions. It's nice because there's so many options for people, you know, prayer and meditation for someone who needs something calmer or there's exercise or there's burning a piece of paper with all your feelings. Cause I do I do think there's some people, because the mind is so powerful, which is what we're talking about, but there's some people who are just like naturally negative people, you know, who are just like glass half empty, really even to an extent, maybe even struggling with depression. And if anybody's ever been there, it's like, you can't have a, it's hard to have a positive thought when you're in that dark place, you know? So is there, is there a word of encouragement to those people who are just in that dark place and want to have an outlet who want to cry, who want to have release suppressed emotions, but just are just dark, stuck in a darkness. You're so far in the pit. Like I wonder all the people and the doctors and healers you've talked to, like what would be the first step for somebody who like can't see out of it, you know? Yeah, it's tough because it's so different for everybody. And there there are going to be some people who were raised in an environment that they just developed this negative kind of construct in their mind. And that's a whole nother level of, of course, depression is going to be a symptom of that, but, um, you know, they got to change their whole outlook and that's, that's some deep work because that's changing, you know, these subconscious beliefs that you've just developed as a child that colors your lens through what you look through at life. And then there's someone like the three of us who we could have the most positive mindset and we're, you know, eternal optimists and have strong faiths. And, and then we could get, you know, caught in a funk and a depression. Um, and it's still hard to get back connected to that positive mindset. So there's like two camps here. Um, the people, a couple things to say about depression, um, and anxiety. There's so many things to explore. I know people that again, like have done breath work for the first time and complete, they said, you know, one session, one 30, 40 minute session of doing this like really intense breath work was like two to 10 years of talk therapy, you know, as far as release goes. Um, and that can obviously shift someone's emotional state out of depression because they're, they're, they're moving that energy out of their body and they're moving those stuck emotions, et cetera. Um, movement. I, there's this woman who, um, uh, Danette May, who she wrote a book that I'm blanking on right now, but she was in a severe depression because of certain circumstances in her life. And, she just said, I just forced myself to get up and start walking around the block once a day. Like movement can really, if you know, release endorphins and change your biochemistry, your neural uh, 
neurotransmitters and start to release things like dopamine and, and serotonin and stuff naturally. So if you can manage to take that first step and just do a, you know, one more right. step every day, you know, um, and then to me, meditation, uh, just, it, it gets you to a place where you just feel this oneness and connection and you don't feel so isolated and, and lonely. Um, that could be a big first step. And then there's another whole last thing I'll say, well, there's two things I'll say to it. Our, our brain chemistry and our microbiome health are intricately connected. And a lot of people don't make the correlation, but, um, this woman, Kelly Brogan in the film, she was a fully conventional psychiatrist that was just doling out antidepressants to everybody from pregnant women to, you know, whoever kids. And when she got pregnant herself, she was just like, oh my goodness, I am now, I would never take an antidepressant in this being pregnant. So why am I giving this so freely to other people? So she kind of had an awakening. Now she's in a holistic uh, psychiatrist and she starts people on a 40 day cleanse to get them, to get their microbiome, to get their gut health really healthy, because only then you can be at a baseline where she can change. And a lot of people just lose their di depression and anxiety in that 40 days because they're good um, bacteria are back flourishing and their digestion, everything's working like it should. And we produce like 90% of our serotonin in our gut, not even in our brain. So, you know, what you take for an antidepressant to create, you can create that by just fixing your microbiome. So the diet is such a huge part to depression and anxiety. And then obviously sleep is major. Sleep is where our, our bodies naturally do the healing and the, and the cleaning up and the repair of tissues and regeneration. And we just do not sleep enough these days. And so those are great tips. Those are great tools. And I do think it's, it's things, especially people stuck in that dark place that are just small things. Like let's go walk a little bit and let's look at your gut. Like those are doable things to start with. And I'll say, I think this transitions to our next question, but one thing Sarah did that I'll call her out on that oh. we didn't talk about. Uh -uh. <laughs> and I really think that, I think the heel documentary encouraged her to do this. And I, I noticed it on your mirror where like, even if you're not feeling positive, you say the positive, you know, like you're just, I'm just going to have to believe it because I have no choice. And you wrote on your mirror, like, I am healthy. I oh, am yeah, healed. I, I am, you know, I am cancer free, like these things on your, on her mirror. And so that I'm sure she didn't believe those 24 hours a day, but you were it. saying it and reading it. And I think those are like some good places to start too. Yes. I but I'm yeah. I think that's so powerful. And I did do that. I forgot I did that. But yes, I declared that I was healed. I said, I wrote on my mirror, I am healed. And I just looked at it every day. And even I, I had a moment where my cancer came back in 2019. And I still said it, I am healed. I'm here. Healed. Mm -hmm. I'm cancer free now. And everything's great. But um, I think that's so powerful. Um, this goes this is this is a big, big thing that I just want to say something here. You know, a lot of us affirmations are real. And a lot of people say, well, they're empty, you know, there's nothing behind them. And so there's this whole thing in the documentary about how you need to have the affirmation and then feel the emotions of actually feeling it. So to say it gets to be a little bit more powerful when you're like, I am healthy or I am healed. And then take the moment to like, really feel how grateful you would be if, when that happens, you know, and, and like, so to combine that elevated emotion with that affirmation or that visualization, um, is 
the key ingredients, like the secret sauce. So to really feel how that would feel and to feel how grateful. And there's like little, these little hacks, you know, saying that over and over, um, we usually do the opposite subconsciously. So we usually just, you know, if you have this diagnosis, you, if you say I have cancer over and over throughout your day, talking to various people, you're just reaffirming what you don't want. So you want to, language is so powerful. It's all in the Bible about how powerful the word is and how you can declare with this I am statement. Um, And so uh, you don't want to be very, we, we constantly focus on what we don't want and say, I have this, I am sick. And whether it's to subconsciously get love, the love that we're craving and the support that we're needing, that's totally innocent, but we just want to be mindful to start putting our attention and training our subconscious mind on what it is we do want, and then combine it with this elevated emotion of gratitude, of feeling into that. Cause that, that feeling is what creates the healing we talk about. And so, yeah, let, let go of the labels that you don't want to focus on and focus on the labels. And like, this is your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between what's real or imagined. So if that's like the most powerful secret. And so like, even if you're smiling right now and say, I just got the worst news in the world, but I, I determined that I'm going to smile for the rest of the day, even if I'm like my, I want to cry, but I'm, I'm going like this if you do the physical act of smiling, you're telling your nervous system that things are safe. I don't need to be in stress. I can take the time to digest, rest, and repair. Um, So it's like a hack. Like you can literally trick your nervous system just by faking a smile until it becomes real. Okay. This is so powerful and kudos to you in the documentary, because this is exactly what my takeaway was. I, you know, my mom lived with me for a year and she was like, you've got to start telling yourself good things. You got to, you know, affirmations are key. And she's a big believer in that too. But instead of writing on my mirror, I am healing. You know, I wrote, I am healed. Like it was already done. So exactly what you just said was exactly what I took away. And even when I got bad news, it was like, well, I am healed. You know, so I think that's so powerful. I hope everyone like rewinds that and listens to it again. Um, it goes into the next question of visual visualization. It's a long, hard word to say. Um, but Dr. Joe Dispenza, he, well, I've seen you post about him and he just has such good nuggets and a powerful story. Um, he's all about vis- visualization. Um, so can you tell a quick story about him specifically and just like the power of visualization? It is a hard word to say, visualization. About visualization. (laughs) Sure. So um, Dr. Joe Dispenza is amazing and he's like on fire right now and he does, his work is just getting more and more powerful, but he does scientific research based on his own personal experience. And essentially what happened is when he was like 24 or something, he was like a young chiropractor and he was a tra- com- competitive triathlete and he was in this race. And he during the race, he was on a bike and he got nailed by a car uh, in the race area that wasn't supposed to be there. So he flew in the air and landed on his spine and broke like seven vertebrae in his back or something. The doctors told him he'd probably never walk again, which is devastating as a healthy 24 year old who is a competitive athlete. So 
he was depressed, obviously, and, and they wanted to do this surgery that put, you know, this Harrington rod surgery would put titanium in his back. And he knew based on his chiropractic background that once you do that, once you intervene with metal and surgery, like you're, you're, it may help you walk, but it's never, you're never going to recover full function of your spine and body and back. And it would probably lead to a host of other issues. So he's lying there on his bed and he's face down because that's all he can do. And he's just starts to visualize. He just has this inner knowing to start to visualize his spine being healed. And so he does that. And then partway through, he's like pictures, his mind gets hijacked and he pictures himself in a wheelchair, which is exactly what happens to our mind all day long. It gets hijacked with a negative. So we have to have these practices where we can cultivate the positive and focus our attention on, on what we do want, not what we don't want, which is our default. So he started to feel the gratitude of just being able to be in a hot shower, standing up and, you know, moving his arms and doing all those things that we take for granted and like running on the beach and to like see the sunset. And he started to feel that like beautiful feelings of being able to watch a sunset with someone you love. Um, and so he, he figured out that that was like the missing element. Like, so he was able to visualize his whole spine being healed. And as he did it, he started to visualize things that he used to do that he took for granted of that he wanted to do again, as if he was doing them in the moment. And sure enough, in like, you know, 10 weeks, his spine was completely healed. And he was like back training two weeks later, which is insane. Wow. Goodness gracious. Yeah. So, so, so that's the basis of his work now. And he, he leads these huge retreats and he's studied it ever since then. He's in, you know, I don't know how old he is now. I would say in his late fifties. And he, so for the last 30 years, he's been measuring what happens in the brain when we get into this creative visualization where we, he, so he guides people into meditation. He measured with these scientific instruments, um, the heart rate variability. And so he discovered that when you're meditating, your brain and your heart get into this like beautiful coherence. And that's when you have like crazy energy to heal and do all these other miraculous things your body you affect your electromagnetic field you affect the energy available in your body and everything comes back online and it gets into community and communication again so um and when you're in that state your immune system function goes through the roof and so it's like he's scientifically proving this and then he has these week-long retreats now and all these you know people get up from wheelchairs it's uh you know tumors disappear it's pretty insane but it's just that's how powerful our body is we just need to use know how to use the instrument yes gosh that is so i bet he has insane stories about his retreats oh this my so god cool. So he calls um, that the, the quantum model of causing an effect. It's like combining visualization with the elevated emotion and that that then changes your electromagnetic field and then it changes your reality. And, and it's all based on this Yale researcher who discovered that, you know, the matter, like let's take a tumor. If you measure the electromagnetic field around a tumor, it's like very low vibration and low energy and, um, they and you it was thought because of Newtonian physics that the the tumor was emitting an electromagnetic field. What they've discovered from Harold Saxton Burr, this Yale researcher, is that actually the electromagnetic field is what organizes the matter within. So that 
elect for that tumor to grow there, the electromagnetic field had to be depleted. And that so if we can change our field through these practices of coherence and love, um, that's how they do these group healings and and the field changes because everybody's sending love and intention to the person in the middle and they everybody's in this coherent state, the field becomes this is just like, life, vitality, thriving, and obviously the matter that's in the middle of that field is going to change. Oh my goodness. It's so incredible. I mean, we have been through so much because of, you know, of course we're super grateful for Western medicine because, you know, there's times that people need chemo and surgery and things like that. Um, But we're also huge believers of these actionable things that you can do, you know, I have one like quick question. I know we're running short on time, but we're, we're, we haven't really touched on physical. We're fine. We haven't touched on the physical stuff and I, we probably need to do like a part two to the podcast, but, (laughs) um, I'm curious about herbs and supplements. Like, is there something specific, a specific herb that was found common through all these people, or does that just have to do with like the plant-based diet and supplements? You know, is it different across the board or was there one, something specific with everybody? in the radical remission project, I think there was, it's definitely different. I think herbs, supplements, and nutrition is all very bio-individual. So, you know, there's hundreds of different types of cancer and there's hundreds of different types of diets and, um, and herbs and what, you know, an herb that works for me may not work for you. And an herb that works for uterine cancer may not work for brain cancer. So, um, I think it's very specific. It's it's really helpful to find integrative cancer doctors who know the scope of that and can know what tests to give you um, to find out where you're deficient in minerals and um, what herbs, you know, and then traditional Chinese medicine or Ayurveda specialists will know which herbs to, to bring in. And then you work in conjunction with your integrative oncologist or cancer doctor. So Um, you want to create a team that is open to working. There are Western oncologists that have seen the benefit of working with a cancer nutritionist in conjunction. And then there's Western oncologists who don't think nutrition has anything to do with it. And maybe that's not the oncologist you want to go to, but you do need a team, uh, because specialists, you know, only have so much bandwidth and they're specialized in one thing. And so if you can work with a a team of, of people like a nutritionist or an integrative cancer doctor who can kind of know how to guide you in your treatment. I think that's your best shot of combining the best of both worlds. Yeah. And that's, that's not what advice. I meant was what I was saying right before your question. So it, it meant it was together, but that we find the combination of both of these things mm-hmm. in the right place can be really powerful. Yeah. You know? Um, okay. So I have one more question for you before we go. So obviously you started researching and doing a lot of this work to, to do the documentary, but is there anything after the documentary came out and you did all this work, is there anything that you changed in your life after you did all of this research? Yeah. You know, I, um, it was interesting because making a documentary is, you know, it's, it's not, we didn't have a tremendously high budget. It was pretty low budget. And so we had a skeleton crew and and we were all meditators and we all had, you know, a general spiritual sense and of compassion for people. So 
we really had to, it's a stressful process to put together a film and all sorts of obstacles would come up. So we really had to like practice what we were preaching in the, in the process, which was cool. It held us accountable. You know, if something went terribly wrong, we didn't like stress out or yell at each other. You know, we were just like, okay, we got to reset here. Let's um, take a breath. And, and, and then we, you know, we, trusted that we're a no, one, a no that came to us was meant to be a yes, you know, if we turn to the left or right. So um, it was a really cool process of unfolding. But of course, I mean, I the, the film released uh, four years ago and I've continued interviewing people through summits and now the podcast and, you know, just our own evolution is constantly unfolding. It, to me, it's like excavating. We're going down layers and layers and layers. So I'm like a completely different consciousness than I was when I even I made the film um so yeah and and so many new things are coming out I just interviewed a guy yesterday about um psychedelics and he does like ketamine assisted hypnotherapy and I have like a judgment about that because in LA a lot of people recreationally abuse that drug and so I was like I don't know this sounds like a little sketchy way for people to party but um not out yet or you just interviewed somebody uh, I just interviewed him. Yeah. But it was profound. It was, it was, I mean, I like, I, I really believe that things in nature can be healing, but not some, not everything is everybody's medicine. Like I've, you know what I mean? So you just have to really tune into what your intuition is telling you to try and not try. I've heard, uh, a lot of buzz recently about the microdosing thing. And I'm interested just to hear more about it from people who are believers in it. It's a little scary for me too. I it's funny that you said that because I was like at a grill out last weekend and people were talking about it, just casual cookout, summer cookout conversation. <laughs> it's just fascinating and interesting. Um, gosh, that, that could be a whole podcast episode. But while we're talking about the podcast, can you tell everybody about your podcast? You recently started it. Yeah. So it's just a continuation. It's the Heal Podcast. And you know, we're kind of all shocked to see how well the film has done and and globally. And I think, you know, after what everybody went through together last year, you know, people are seeking more and more support um, for mental and physical issues and just learning how to boost our own immunity and, and you know, have agency over our bodies and, and avoid things like coronavirus and, and all of that stuff. So, um, I felt compelled to podcasts, you know, I felt very late to the game because <laughs> everybody has a podcast. Yeah. yeah, you can relate. Um, but you know, there's so many interesting conversations to be had. There's so many, I think that it's important to not only give people the knowledge, but also share inspiring stories like your own Sarah and together you and Kathy. Um, I think, you know, for people to know that healing is possible, um, is key because as we saw in heal belief really is everything. I mean, the placebo effect is all based on what you're believing and expecting to happen. And, you know, so I'll just briefly explain the placebo effect here. Cause I think it applies. It's like, you know, you have, when you're studying, uh, when you're researching the efficacy of an antidepressant, let's say, cause it's the easiest example you have, you give one group, where they're given the anti actual antidepressant, you give one group that's given a sugar pill, an innate substance that's not going to have any effect on their body. And then you have one group that's a control group that's not taking anything. They're just chilling. Um, the scientists don't know which 
group they're giving the sugar pill to or which group they're thinking. So it's a double blind study. The patients don't know and the scientists don't know. So they're just objectively observing. What was interesting is that in, in most antidepressant research studies, 50 to 70% uh, or 40 to 70% of the people taking the sugar pills actually reported feeling better and feeling as, as better or stronger, you know, much better than the group actually taking the medicine. And it's not just in their head, their brains, based on their belief and expectation of what was happening with this pill, their brains actually released the actual chemistry, um, serotonin, et cetera, that made them feel better. So our brains are our best pharmacy and our beliefs and our expectations and our subconscious programming is what toggles the switches of what is released or not. So believe is everything. So if, if, you know, so I love that you have your podcast because the more people that can listen to your story and get inspired and go, wow, if it, if Sarah can do it, I can do it. And then, you know, provide people with tools and information and science as to why it's possible. Um, you know, that's the formula that's going to help change people's lives. So, you know, just putting a little more belief and possibility out there. Absolutely. It's really fascinating. I love the placebo effect because you're right. It shows, I think it's hopeful for people who are, you mean that example of taking antidepressant, they're like, Oh, maybe I don't have to do that the rest of my life. I have other tools. Belief is so powerful. I think we're going to end on that note because yeah. And where's mic drop. Yeah. It's mic drop right there. Where can people watch? (laughs) It's not on Netflix anymore, right? It's on Amazon. Yeah. Netflix, you know, they're doing, all their own content now. So we got, right. um, you know, we changed over to Amazon prime, which is a great home as well. And then of course it's on like Apple TV. Yeah. Apple TV. Okay. So everybody listening, go watch heal. It'll change your life and the way you deal with emotions in your own body and your own mind heal on Amazon prime and the heal podcast. Your podcast is amazing. I listen to it every week. So um, um, I am so glad to meet you. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you're... you for spending a full hour with us. Yes, <laughs> totally. You guys are amazing. And thank you for having me on. And, um, I just love your story and I love the bond you guys have. And I can't meet to, can't wait to meet your little guy. Coming. We've been documenting everything. So you'll see him definitely August, yes. August 18th. is going to be here before we know it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Kathy probably needs to walk around now. She's been sitting, <laughs> sitting too long in an unusual squat. So. <laughs> um, so good to meet you. So great and to meet you, Kelly. Thank you so much. We are just big fans of your work and the mission that you have. So we'll be in touch for sure. And we'll uh, let you know when this episode airs. Yeah, It'll be a couple weeks. weeks. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I'll repost and, and all of that good stuff. So thanks, you guys. guys we are excited to share with you our new partnership with your superfoods not only do they have great tasting product but they are on a mission to help improve people's health through the power of plants i fell in love with their superfood and plant protein mixes after i was diagnosed and started my lifestyle change one of the founders is also a cancer survivor which is why i came across their story i make a ton of smoothies and my daughter charlotte loves them too Your Superfoods is 100% plant-based, no sweeteners, no soy, no dairy, gluten-free, and non-GMO. So you can purchase with our code, 
SISTER15 and you will receive 15% off your purchase, any purchase, not just your first one. So go to YourSuper.com and use the code SISTER15, S-I-S-T-E-R-1-5 for 15% off your order. Go grab your superfoods.